This episode of Green and Gold is brought to you by Fire Seeds. During the break, you'll hear how this amazing company is revolutionizing the recruiting process for businesses and how they can help develop those leaders once they've been brought onto your team. Fire Seeds, multiplying leaders. Chapter 1 Context. This bit of sound is from September 2017. You hear lots of loud cheering. It's because it's a brand new program that's just scored their first touchdown in front of their home fans, too. Maybe that's not entirely accurate to say without all the context, but that's the point of telling this story in the first place. Without setting the whole scene up, this is just another football game, and not a particularly meaningful one either. But if you're a fan of UAB football, or even just know the story, you know that there's a lot more to it than that. You know that this touchdown, and this game, and this moment, and this city means something. You know that this is the end of a long and difficult, sometimes even painful process, and the beginning of something you hope will stick. But I guess that's why context is so important. It's what makes really great stories really great. And make no mistake, this is a really great story. It's got heroes, villains, twists, turns, highs and lows, some espionage, paternalism, some political discord, even some dragons. Everything is better with dragons, right? It's all here, whether you realized it or not. This is the whole 360-degree view of UAB football, complete with all the backstory you could ever want. And that cheering you heard at the beginning... Well, it's actually kind of the end of the story. We're here to tell you the rest. I'm Will Shingleton, and this is my podcast about UAB football. This is Green and Gold. UAB plans to remain an FBS program and a full member of Conference USA. begin by saying that there are two very distinct ways to view this story. There's the positive way, which is just full of rainbows and unicorns, but that's only been a thing for the last couple of years. I can't emphasize that enough. Then there's the negative way, where UAB football's demise was a long time coming. Even before the program actually collapsed, a lot of people around town believed in this idea of imminent doom. And in hindsight, it's hard to argue with them. To these people, What happened in 2014 was an inevitable end to a long chain of events, possibly dating back to before the program even began. And in the context of the story, that makes a lot of sense. Football programs that have been running for 20-plus years don't just close up shop overnight. The last time anything like this happened was at Pacific in 1995, more than 20 years ago. But for about a decade or so, UAB football hadn't been making a great argument for themselves. The team bordered on being good a couple of times, But most years, they were either just above average or downright terrible. They were underfunded, undersupported, and overshadowed by the other programs in the state. Now, to be fair, Alabama and Auburn would set a really high bar in any state. But UAB were having trouble competing with the small schools, too. Most other things just seemed like a better option. And what made things worse was the disrespect from inside their own student body. It's tough because if you're sitting in a class and you know people are paying money to one university, and they're, they're talking and supporting another one, um, 
it's it's kind of mind-boggling. Like, it's, it's just, like, I don't really, you know, I think for a lot of guys, you just, we really just didn't get it. Like, why why are you like that? You know, you wanted to ask people like that sometimes. And- That's former UAB kicker Rhett Gallego. He played from 1998 to 2001, and I love this point he makes about how athletes were viewed, even by their fellow students. In classes, you know, you just really kind of still felt like there was this um, this culture change that needed to happen. Um, and maybe it was the fact of, you know, of course, we grew up in a state where everybody, all they know when they're growing up is, is two teams, two universities, Alabama and Auburn. Um, it's the way people are raised. And it's just um, the thought of, well, there's going to be, there's other schools. There's more things out there. Uh, yeah. You know, all that time you're, you're, you've got students that, that are taking it for granted and all of a sudden it's gone and they realize, wow, we had something here. And they did have something there. But they were fighting an uphill battle the whole time. And by the time 2014 rolled around, UAB had made itself almost completely irrelevant to the point that getting rid of the program was even an option. Let me set the scene for you. It's not a positive one. UAB football has never been a powerhouse, but to be fair, they only went D1 in 1995. Just as an aside, that's the same year that Pacific canceled its football program. So the whole program isn't quite 25 years old, not even as old as I am. The coach back then was a guy named Watson Brown. He was in charge for 11 seasons and managed to have a winning record in three of them. Now that's not great in most places, but by UAB standards, that's awesome. Brown coached all the way until 2006 and was even athletic director for a little while. He led the Blazers to their first bowl game in 2004, the Hawaii Bowl. I remember watching it with my family on Christmas Eve. UAB still hasn't played any bowl games in the contiguous U.S. Sad. Watson Brown is also the only coach in Division I history to have 200 losses on his resume, but don't let that detract from all the nice stuff I just said. Brown left in 2007 to go coach Tennessee Tech, and after that, things really started to go south. UAB hired a guy named Neil Calloway from Georgia, who was a former Alabama player that the board probably liked. Things did not go according to plan. He went 18-42 and 42 in five seasons at UAB, and by the time he left, allegedly amicably, the Blazers had dipped into full-on cellar dwelling. They were definitely a long way from that opening soundbite. Prior to Bill Clark's arrival in 2014, the Blazers had gone 8-28 and 28 in the past three seasons and were struggling to fill more than a quarter of their home stadium, which was also in serious disrepair. UAB had proposed a new $75 million on-campus stadium for its team in 2011, but the University of Alabama board was like, eh, nah, they probably shouldn't have nice things. Keep that little dynamic in mind, because we'll get into all the backstory with those two programs in the next episode. To make matters even worse, head coach Garrick McGee had just left after two highly underwhelming seasons to take another job. Out of the 24 games that McGee coached, UAB won exactly five. In his last game in charge, they gave up 62 points and a loss to Southern Miss, who and this is really important, hadn't won a single game in almost two full seasons. If that wasn't enough of a kick to the collective crotch, the circumstances surrounding McGee's departure certainly were. Coach McGee had willingly given up his head coaching role at UAB to take a lesser one under Bobby Petrino at Louisville. If that name sounds familiar, but you can't quite put your finger on why, maybe this will help. Coach Petrino knowingly misled the athletics department and the university about the circumstances related to his accident. He had multiple opportunities over a four-day period 
to be forthcoming with me. He chose not to. Yes, that Bobby Petrino. That sound you heard was former Arkansas Athletic Director Jeff Long explaining his decision to fire Petrino for having an inappropriate extramarital relationship with a football assistant that he hired, and then lying about it to literally everyone. This, of course, famously came into the national spotlight when Petrino crashed his motorcycle with that same assistant on the back of it. Petrino was Garrick McGee's former boss at Arkansas before he left to go to UAB, but this was still not a good look. UAB had lost its coach to motorcycle mistress guy. I know it sounds like I'm piling on Bobby Petrino a lot, but I only mention that to say this. If your head coach would rather go work for that guy than be in charge of your whole program, things probably aren't great. And that's how things were at UAB pre-2014. Not great. And now for a word from our sponsors. If you run a business, you've probably experienced this feeling before. You need to hire someone, but you're terrified of choosing the wrong person. It's called hiring anxiety. What if you get it wrong? What if the new guy eats all of your food out of the fridge? What if they CC the entire office on every email? Well, business owners, CEOs, HR directors, and pretty much anyone else who wants to work with, work for, or employ the best of the best, let me introduce you to my friends at Fireseeds. They've got this whole hiring thing figured out so that you don't have to. And you can rest easy knowing that your BLT is safe from harm. Fireseeds is a Birmingham, Alabama-based business that specializes in recruiting, leadership development, and consulting for companies that look to enhance their culture and multiply leaders within their organization. The Fireseeds team specializes in recruiting dynamic leaders and installing leader development strategies in world-changing businesses. And that's news that's worth blowing up anybody's inbox. To get in touch, visit fireseeds.com. That's fireseeds.com. Fireseeds. Multiplying leaders. If you're a fan of Green and Gold, we recommend that you check out another one of our podcasts here at Free Time. It's called the Dudes in Sports Podcast, and it's, well, it's exactly what it sounds like. Three dudes, James Spencer, Will Jaggers, and Caleb Hiddleston to be exact, are discussing all things sports ball. They just put out their college football playoff preview, and you should definitely check it out. That's the Dudes in Sports Podcast. Available both on iTunes and Fireside. After McGee left, UAB began its next coaching search. Sort of surprisingly, a lot of coaches around the country were interested in the position. Former UAB defensive back coach John Neal, who was at Oregon at that point, emerged as an early candidate, but decided on the tarmac that staying with these soon-to-be playoff-bound Ducks was a better career move. Hard to blame him for that one, I would say. There were a few wildcard candidates, like former Ole Miss and Arkansas head coach Houston Nutt, as well as former Wake Forest coach Jim Grobe. More conventional UAB-type hires, like Brian Jenkins from Bethune-Cookman, Eddie Grand from Cincinnati, and the Falcons' Chris Skelfo were all considered for the job at one point. At the end of things, though, UAB honed in on two in-state candidates, South Alabama's Joey Jones and Bill Clark from Jacksonville State. You probably recognize that second name. Ah, Bill Clark. If you're up to date on the team these days, you'll recognize Bill Clark as UAB football's knight in shining armor. He got the job, and through everything that's happened since then, he's still the coach at UAB. Somehow. When he was hired, though, he wasn't given the chance to be a knight in shining armor. 
It was more like UAB's version of Don Quixote. If you didn't get that reference, it's definitely worth a Google. The main idea there is that Bill Clark took on a fool's errand in accepting the UAB football job. I wonder what would have happened if he had known what he was actually getting into. Even if he knew that canceling football was a possibility, could he have known what all would be asked of him over the next couple of years? Since he was hired, Bill Clark has been a remarkably successful head coach by UAB standards. He's had two bowl-eligible seasons, which is almost as many as the entire history of the program before he was hired. He's also been named Conference USA Coach of the Year both of the seasons that he's had a team to coach. But even more than that, he's also been UAB football's biggest advocate, lobbyist, fundraiser, and spokesperson. He's the face of the program, the steady hand. And yet he almost didn't get the job. Hiring him over Joey Jones was a pretty close decision. Clark had only had one season of college head coaching experience at his alma mater, Jacksonville State. That and the UAB board felt that Jones might be able to make a bigger impact in the community. In hindsight, that last part sounds a little ridiculous, but they couldn't have known that at the time. He didn't have the resume at the college level that Jones did, but the board saw Clark as a brash, confident upstart who could bring some much-needed momentum to a program that really didn't have any. Here's former UAB athletic director Brian Mackin right before they hired Clark. I would say that, that, that if you narrowed it down from all of our candidates, Bill was the best of the five, came forward, and then we compared the two. Mm-hmm. We feel like Bill is a better candidate than Joey, not just because of the, the three-year potential contract, it's because we feel like he's a better fit. I trust Zachary. I trust Zachary. That's what I do. He is. He loves me. He's an effective one. Quick side tangent. I love the fact that this recording exists for public consumption. Thanks for AL.com for getting that together because it really adds a ton of perspective into this part of the story. Gets you behind closed doors into the room where it happens for all the Hamilton fans out there. We don't think about the way these things go down typically. It just pops up as an update on our phones. Oh, look at that. Texas A&M just hired Jimbo Fisher. And we think that that just happened in the spur of the moment. Like the AM athletic department just rolled out of bed one day and decided that. Or that they saw the word Jimbo spelled out in their Cheerio Bowl or something and thought it was a sign from God. No, these things take weeks and months of planning. It takes organizing interests and money and support from several different levels. And that's only if you can get the guy interested in your job in the first place. Then, and only then, if the money and timing all work out, you'll get that ESPN update. Which brings us back to Bill Clark and UAB. Time back in. The audio quality isn't great as a fly on the wall in that board meeting, but here's the gist of what Mackin said. Former UAB linebacker and Packers strength coach Zach Woodfin endorses Bill Clark, which helps nudge him ahead of Joey Jones. But did you catch that bit about the three-year contract? A big point in Clark's favor was his willingness to accept a three-year deal instead of the five-year one that UAB would need to offer Jones. Here's Mackin, Associate AD Shannon Ely, and Bill Carr discussing the length of Clark's new contract. It'd be easy just to say that Bill's our man and go off of a five-year deal. Can't do that right now. Bill's our man, but we can't do that right now. Keep those words in mind. Ely then asks Mackin if the three-year part of Clark's contract is non-negotiable. And here's Mackin's response. There's another step to this, because normally you would go, he's our man, President, I recommend it's a five-year deal. We think it's going to be, we're going to offer no more than this. 
I'm a little different now where I'm going to get with Ray, get his stick on the three-year deal, D, go ahead and, and get Fess and Paul and Dr. Witt and say, we found the guy. This is where our parameters are. Are we locked in at three years? I think we're going to have to be in the four range, mm -hmm. 425, 450. If you're going to go three years, that's going to be the fluid thing. Mm -hmm. Three is not the uh, we, we mentioned four yesterday, and Ray just said, I don't know if I can get any more than three. When I came across this in my research, Clark's contract being for three years didn't seem like a big deal. I honestly didn't think anything of it. But they sure did talk about it a lot, didn't they? Just for a frame of reference, let's take a look at some of the contracts for coaches that got hired in 2018. Scott Frost got seven years at Nebraska. Dan Mullen got six at Florida. And Chad Morris also got six at Arkansas. Jimbo Fisher got 10 to go to Texas A&M. 10 years! He's got less term limits than the president. And even if Texas A&M decides to move on between now and 2027, every cent of Fisher's $75 million contract is guaranteed. I think I picked the wrong profession. And no, it isn't completely fair to compare Bill Clark's contract with coaches taking over big-time Power 5 schools, but the numbers in smaller conferences are consistently higher, too. Mike Bloomgren got five years to leave Stanford for Rice, and Billy Napier got five to take over Louisiana Lafayette. The three-year deal that was a non-negotiable for Bill Clark may have been one of the bigger red flags for the program being in serious trouble, which brings us back to the reason for doing this podcast in the first place. Less than a year after he signed on at UAB, the program was shut down. Temporarily, anyway, but nobody knew that at the time. So what happened in between? Well... UAB had a pretty kick-ass season, to be perfectly honest. They started with a 48-10 beatdown of Troy, which included two touchdowns from current Chicago Bears running back, Jordan Howard. If you recognize that name from your fantasy drafts, Howard had over 1,500 yards and 13 touchdowns that season and was named first-team all-conference. He was one of the major stars on the team that year, along with receiver and kick returner J.J. Nelson. The Blazers beat Troy, Western Kentucky, and even their old nemesis, Southern Miss, to become bowl eligible for the first time since 2004. It was awesome. UAB fans and students in the city actually had a football team to get behind. Players like Nelson, Howard, and linebacker Jake Gannis made the Blazers fun to watch. And even though they were still very much an undercard to the other two teams in the state, people were paying attention for the first time in a while. And then it all went away. December 2nd, 2014. UAB president Ray Watts rolls into the football building and tells the same players that had just had UAB's best season in a decade that their program is canceled. Not completely by surprise, but almost. There were some warning signs, both subtle and overt, but at the end of the day, something like that is still shocking and painful and sad and all kinds of other unfortunate adjectives. The whole situation really just sucked, and the entire city felt it. And that's really what made me want to tell this whole story. The whole thing is all really interesting, but at its core, it's a cautionary tale. It had been 20 years since another program had just folded. And if nothing else good comes from this podcast, I hope it helps prevent something like that happening again in another 20 years. No team in 2035 or so should have to see their program go down without a fight. So we're giving you every bit of information we can find. Today we started with the end of the story, and UAB football coming back and all the stuff that happened around it. Next episode, we'll go back to the very beginnings of the UAB football program, all the way back to the early 90s and the Division Three days. 
Like I said, we're here for the whole story and more context than you could ever ask for. Until next time, I'm Will Shingleton, and this is Green and Gold. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to the show and give us a rating while you're at it. Be sure to like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash greenandgoldpodcast. Green and Gold is a free-time media production. If you and your small business would like to develop a podcast to increase corporate communication, educate your consumer base, or just develop your brand, contact us at freetimemediaproductions at gmail.com. Special thanks for this episode go to AL.com and UATV at the University of Arkansas.